1: What's up, guys? Loose Cannon here for a special announcement before today's show. Want to hang with the heroes in Atlanta over Super Bowl week? We want to see you. Check out our Twitter pages for the link to get into the live show. The City Winery in Atlanta, Georgia. Can't wait to hang with you. Thursday, January 31st. Doors at 6, starts at 8 p.m. Get your tickets. All right, let's get to the show.
0: Around the NFL podcast. It's loose on one Tito's and soda. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I am joined in a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Divisional round football in the books. And yes, a bit of an underwhelming weekend given the the way the games looked on paper entering the weekend. But, uh, Mark, last year we had the Minneapolis Miracle. This weekend we had the double 40-burger shootout with the Jags and the and the Steelers. Uh, we even had that great uh, – it was a low-scoring game. Who was it? Uh, it was Philadelphia beating Atlanta in that tense defensive effort. We didn't have that much drama, but at the end of the day, heading into championship weekend, we got a double 1-2 seed showdown, which is something to look forward to.
1: I always felt growing My up. My dog, Mark, with a C. Hello? I always felt growing up that when you had the bad divisional round, there were a lot of seasons where that was because better teams were taking care of business, and we have home teams winning the way they should handily. That leads to better a better title game weekend, which is even though everyone, the, everyone gushes over wild card weekend and gushes over the divisional <laughs> weekend, if the AFC and NFC title games suck, that's a big letdown. I would rather that those two games be the most memorable of all. Well, you got the Saints, a number one seed, best team in the
2: league in the regular season, being down 14-0 at home. That was certainly a good game. But it is somehow fitting that like in the year where going into the playoffs, the conventional wisdom was, well, this is a year that any team could win, that the old wildcard weekend team feels like it's time for them to make it through all these 12 teams or even, that all the home teams win pretty easy, and in a year where, like, the defenses were coming back to kind of taking over in December that the highest-scoring teams, all four of them in the regular season, are the last four teams sitting.
3: Do we have to readjust the uh, Mike Francesa canard about Thanksgiving as the start of the season? (laughs) We thought we had a read on all these teams for the first three months. That's a good point. And then December comes, they all kind of hit their slumps,
2: and we disregard
3: them. Just
0: resets again. Yeah.
3: Well, I now like it's the like use of hey by the way. Oh thank you, Francesa. The season starts in January. <laughs>
2: I mean his season it feels like hasn't been starting for a while. while. No. No. Greg, Greg I had restarted. to get the, know, the Francesa shot was, in. Why you
0: got to get the Francesa? I mean there's like, dropping
2: there. a bomb on the longtime broadcast. There's like an in, 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 in entire Twitter accounts devoted to just saying like pointing out the insane things that he says every week. I so so mean you could
0: be, be better than them, Greg. That could that was your this was your stage and you just decided. There to are attack. Twitter accounts an devoted icon. to
1: you and stuff that you say. Wow. You're not I w- that far away from I the same thing. Well, there are.
0: You, what, is it, you, what was the old Batman or the Batman line? It's uh, either you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. That's where Mike is in his career. <laughs>
2: it's where the Patriots are.
0: All right. They've been the villain for a long time, and you're absolutely right. That is the one thing that hasn't changed from one year to another. The worst game of the week involved the Patriots blowing out an overwhelmed opponent in New England. But you got to play your schedule. Unless
1: you're from Massachusetts. Uh,
0: let's get to the games. And like we did last week, we'll go in a, a reverse order, starting with the late game on Sunday, which was played in a raucous.
3: You pronounce that raucous, huh? Raucous. Thank you.
0: Superdome. Snap gets off before the two-minute warning. falls in the pocket, throws. it, And the intercepted. ball's intercepted. Both the hands of jeopardy. Marshawn Lattimore. Yes. Marshawn Lattimore with his second interception of the game returns it to the 34th and better than any time this season Saints go take a photograph (laughs) Zach Streif with the call for WWL with Nick Foles and the Eagles driving and the game hanging in the balance Marshawn Lattimore picked off on a pass that went right through the hands of Alshon Jeffrey. Bless his heart. It was the deciding play in the Saints' 2014 win over the Eagles. The Saints will host the Rams next week for the right to represent the NFC in Super Bowl 53. Greg Rosenthal, this game could not have started any worse for the Saints falling down 14-0, but their defense took control of the game, seized it, really, and then the offense did it up. This Carry is the on.
2: this is the first defense, the only defense of the Sean Payton era that would have allowed their offense to come back in this game. The the fact that they allowed under 100 yards in the last three quarters, that a, a game so one-sided in the first quarter, when you look at the final stats in this game, ends up being totally one-sided the other way, and the Saints weren't perfect on offense. E- even in the final three quarters, they had a few mistakes here and there, but their defense, Defense was so solid. They kept coming. And I just think after this game, you can you can almost picture if the Saints are to win the Super Bowl, you know, mm-hmm. you can just picture those those game press conference saying like, you know, that first quarter of the Eagles game like that or the second quarter, like that's where we learned what we were made of to be down 14 nothing against the defending champions and for every side of the ball, defense, offense to just stand up and get it done like that's something you can build on. West is this, shaking his head. You've been doing this too long. When you're what? already worried about what they're going to say at the rise. Does it? You know what I mean, though. Like it is a gut. I mean, it's a cliche, but it is a gut check game. It is like kind of a championship, impressive level performance to be able to bounce back from a situation like that.
1: I'm with you. And in between two Marshawn Lattimore picks that really changed this game, the Eagles went to sleep with four, five straight punts on five straight possessions. And you know, there was reason I thought to come into this game a little concerned about the Saints' defense after. Uh, It was none other than Kyle Allen, the backup Panthers quarterback, who downstairs in the newsroom, uh, Greg, searching for his name, called him Johnny Appleseed, (laughs) took the Saints apart uh, in Week 17, just in a mysterious way. And then you got the first two drives from the Eagles, and you thought their magic is continuing. The Saints are in hot water here. But then it's almost like the Eagles were a tank of gas that just ran out, and they went completely to bed after that second touchdown.
2: Foles' interception was huge. I mean, there's a lot yep. of big plays, but you're up 14 nothing. You're at midfield, and Foles has... Throwing about one of these a week where it's like he's feeling himself and he's just going for it, and he threw kind of an unforced error interception, and that, to me, they were going in for a three-score lead potentially, helped change the game.
0: That was a turning point in the game, another turning point in the game. There were two calls this weekend that I absolutely loved from an Onion standpoint, and we'll get to the other one later. It happened uh, last night at the Coliseum here in L.A., uh, but the call for me was 14 nothing. Uh, and the Saints are desperate to get something going. They're at their own 30-yard line at a fourth and one. And Peyton, you know, Sean Payton is a guy that's not afraid to do anything. He'll get wacky. He, he can get wacky. On third and one, it's a penalty, a hold on Ryan Ramchick, and they decline it, uh, the Eagles do, because they say, oh, they're going to punt it away, and, and Sean Payton does no. He asked whether they should decline it. Right, and I, I thought that, it was the right move to decline it, but then you also have to remember who the opposing head coach is. And Sean Payton, no hesitation, called for the fake, got the conversion, and then they scored their first touchdown, and it was the first of 20 straight points to win the game. I loved that call in that spot, but it was undeniably risky. If they do not convert that, they they are down 14 points with Nick Foles coming on the field first and mm. 10 from the 30. Well,
1: and that and – that, following up on that punt, that fake punt, which Dan called in the newsroom before it happened – was the touchdown pass that went to Kirkwood was, a, was also on fourth down. They didn't. They, again, it's the ultra-aggressiveness, the trust in the offense. These are two great coaches. And Sean Payton never took the foot off the gas after that series. It brought the crowd back
3: in. And, you know, that first play of the game, the interception by Crevon LeBlanc took the crowd out of it, deflated the stadium. And then it wasn't until the middle of the second quarter where you started to see some false starts, wasted timeouts by the Eagles – Um, You started to see the mistakes because the noise was a factor. And then coming out of halftime, that 12-minute, 18-play drive Mm. in which we saw Taysom Hill come in and throw the best deep ball of the game, hitting (laughs) Alvin Kamara in stride only to have it nullified by by penalty. And then, you know, if there's one thing Drew Brees did really well in this game, it was picking up second and 20s. Oh, yeah. Third and crazy, you know. These long downs that he had to pick up because he he really was jittery to start and made some mistakes. And his
0: deep ball wasn't great today either. There were some ducks. It cost him some, two touchdowns. Yeah, eighteen plays, ninety-two yards, eleven twenty-nine is what West nine.
1: nine first downs. Right, it was actually one hundred and twelve yards because they overcame two first and twenty. Right.
0: That I mean, that's that was a major major um, um, drive by a team that uh, I think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. Uh, but when you fall behind 14 nothing. This game could go sideways. I think you, there's a lot that you learned about New Orleans today, and it informs me going forward about who I pick to win next week and the mm. two weeks after that because I think this was like you were saying. Uh, I don't know who said it now. But when they – oh, on the riser. You were obsessed with the riser, Greg. This will be a memorable memorable <laughs> moment in their season, I think, that we'll remember.
2: Yeah. Cause that's it's memorable. Because they're a complete team. <laughs> I mean, they—it's not all Breeze and Breeze and and Michael Thomas. Breeze didn't even play that well today. He—he he didn't. He hit a lot of key throws, and he kind of ultimately, if you just watch. Michael Thomas those, made huge plays. Right. You, I think he carried the quarterback, not the other way around. I think that's totally fair. To to put twelve catches, one hundred and seventy-one yards, he doesn't fit the the mold of what you think of as the top, you know, two or three receiver in the NFL. You know he's not Tioa, Randy Moss, or, or or Antonio Brown. He's maybe more like a mid-career Larry Fitzgerald, but he he's, is a. He's that's not a bad like, thing to he's be. He's just like DeAndre right. Hopkins. Right. He he. But he, I don't even think he has that that the same vertical ability as Hopkins. But what he can do is put his team on his back. He's done it a, quite a bit.
1: And what helps is when he'll score three touchdowns in the Super Bowl, and suddenly everyone's you know. Wife, mother, son, father, uncle will know who he is. And he's relatively anonymous for how powerful and amazing of an athlete he is.
2: With all that said, the Saints, you know, got some breaks. You know, Foles, that, that, first of all, the Jeffrey drop, you know, they're going in right there. They have a chance to take the the lead. And that was basically a, just a mistake by Jeffrey dropping. It turns into an interception. Foles missed throws in this game, more throws than he has uh, in any start that he's made down the stretch, not just the the interception, but a few third downs where he just missed the throw, where they picked up the blitz pretty well, and it, it's going to happen. He's not a he's not a perfect human or a perfect quarterback, but he's played closer to one lately, and he missed some throws. This is
0: what, and he did miss throws. But th- what really bums me out about the game and and why ultimately I don't I I think this could have been a more exciting game, even though it was much better than the other three games this weekend. Is I wanted to see how this was really going to yes. play out, and instead. Alshon Jeffery who's a very nice wide receiver. I mean, uh, any team would love to have Alshon Jeffery. They wouldn't be in this position without the way he's played. The absolutely, last, last yeah, weeks. yeah, absolutely. But that law lo- that is a drop that will stick with him, and he'll regret. You know, he'll live with that for the rest of his career because that was a sp- he put it right on the right on his hands and shot through the hands and right to Lattimore, who was right place, right time. I'd love to know where that happened exactly on the field, but we're talking first and 10 20. inside the 20. Yeah. yeah, and we'll never know. I would have loved to see Nick Foles one last chance defending the title, uh, but the Eagles didn't execute in this uh, state.
1: I was confident hey, all Mark, along the Mark, Saints might uh, pull what's above off. Your, what's above your head right there? Look up.
0: Oh, a lock. Mark's closing in on the title. What is above his head? I don't see that either. I don't get the ref.
1: I don't know. It's just like, he's going to look up and there's the lock. We'll put that in there in post, (laughs) it sounds like. No, it was there. What do you mean? There were some nervous moments,
0: by the way. (laughs) Um, Very nervous moments because Mark switched out of his Rams lock. Uh, he showed up at L.A. Live at approximately 7.30 a.m. before the Rams game and saw Cowboys fans milling around, and it was raining, and he jumped off the Rams pick and then uh, had to live with the drama that lasted 14 nothing. He took a walk at one point. Uh, he came back, and your, your Saints didn't let you down, and we're all thankful for it.
1: I had this bizarre, like, semi-awake dream that the Saints and Cowboys were going to be in the NFC title game, so I got jittery about the Rams, switched to the Saints, which felt – Maybe almost too safe, and after watching the Rams coast over the Cowboys, I thought that was a lost opportunity, big time. <laughs> I could
0: sense that in the press box with you too; that you were living with I'm just that. I was a little regret. annoyed with I myself. I
1: could yeah. I could sense it during a uh, a
2: penalty called on the Saints in the fourth quarter, <laughs> I believe, when you be like, "Come on with this BS! Always
0: with this BS!" Mark needed this. this Mark, you the need most this trophy. Into
3: a game I've seen you. It's uh. I don't Brown's know why. games included. Yeah, I mean, well, I Brown's games but, he doesn't speak. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I shouldn't put value on what I, I. often kill you guys for playing parlor games. This is less important than any someone's fantasy team. So this I don't is know no why game I, for you. I don't know why I'm this wrapped up. Life. The gods
2: were with you though. The injuries kept hitting the. It's like every other minute, a new eagle got injured, and then Jeffrey's yeah. dropping it. it. It was. It was on your side.
3: Have you given any thought to your strategy going forward in the lock game? Because <laughs> you can try to you can try to block me out from like the Saints at home next week.
0: Well, we have time to talk about this. Of, I mean, I, I
1: but there's a lot of strategy. It. I to probably, it. probably overthought Flet- all Flet- of it.
0: So. Fletcher Cox uh, suffered a foot injury. He was in and out of the lineup. Uh, they lost uh, a key part of their offensive line.
2: Jason Peters was out at the Jason end. Jason Peters, Rogers, Douglas, Brandon Books.
0: Brandon, Brandon Books Brooks. suffered a serious injury, so it just seemed like the magic was starting to wear off for Philly. But then uh, you had the missed field goal uh, by Lutz. And you thought, ooh, maybe this is their last shot. Maybe that, maybe they still have the magic. But ultimately, the defense of the title comes to an end for the Eagles. But it was a great run. Nick Foles will probably, uh, in all likelihood, move on from the Eagles. But he is even with the loss today and the interception that sealed the deal, a legend in that town.
2: What What was your take? And, and I agree. And it was tough. That was a tough one to explain to my seven year old daughter why Nick Foles won't be on the team next year. Like, that's a concept that's yeah. really tough to, for her to figure out. Well, I want to know your take, Dan, yeah. that.
3: Please don't tell me you try to. Talk contract with your seven. No, Let her I, enjoy I, the a game little, of football. a little bit.
2: She was asking because she was saying, "Is he guaranteed to play the rest of the playoffs?" And I Honey, said, it's a lot yeah, of pr-. dead cap. I said, "Yeah, pretty much." And she she was saying, like, "So he'll be their quarterback next year, right? They'll keep him, right? Because he's playing so well." And then I was trying to. She's using the word guarantee. I like that.
0: What were you? What were we gonna?
2: say? I, I wanted to ask Dan what he thought of the Saints. Turning their locker room, going next level with their celebrations by turning it into kind of a nightclub. Oh, I love and it. doing a strobe light and and they were playing Meek Mill too, so yeah. they were really trying to stick it in the. Well, Eagles was, face. we were
0: in the locker room last year after the Super Bowl. Dreams and nightmares was the signature song of the Eagles Super Bowl run. So the Saints thrown salt on the wound there, playing that song. <laughs> they also got the case with the Super Bowl trophy and two hundred grand and rings. Sean Payton may be going crazy. Right, but they he's are like two making games his post-game speech
1: <laughs> with a strobe light going. They <laughs> around. They have some the characters on that team. I'm not it. surprised. They're in the right city for that too.
0: Uh, so anyway, there you go. The Saints move on. Any final thoughts, or shall we head to the early game on Sunday? I don't really want to. I
2: know you want to put this off as long as possible. But a total Press pro. On.
0: I've been dealing with this for years and years. I, I can handle a divisional playoff game to Foxborough.
1: Michelle the eye devil encounter, handoff Michelle right to to the 10, hanging right to the 5, to the pylon
0: Diving, touchdown Patriots! What a run Two very workman-like executed, perfectly typed drives to start the football game for the New England Patriots Bob Sochi Scott Zolak, Patriots Radio Network, yes they started fast and never let up. Sony, uh Tony Michel ran for 129 yards, three scores, and the Pats rolled over the Chargers, 41-28. New England will face the Chiefs in next week's AFC title game. It is New England's eighth straight trip to the championship game in the AFC and 13th overall in the Brady-Belichick era, um, which is, I even have to say, impressive. Vaguely. Mark, the final score doesn't tell the story here. The Patriots played a nearly perfect game, and the Chargers, they just pulled a total no-show. It was the recipe for another January blowout at Foxborough.
1: I know there's a lot of uh, Patriots hate out there, and at this point almost, it's going to take for all of this in New England to, to finally wash away, maybe it's years from now, to appreciate some of these Patriots games. But they became the first team since the 2003 Colts in the playoffs who knocked off a Jake Plummer-led Broncos team to open a game with four straight touchdowns and their first drive. This was another one of these games, and it reminds me of the Colts-Texans game from a week ago where we were sitting around, and you knew this thing was curtains. Ten minutes in. Total curtains. They opened with a 14-play masterful drive that was their longest of the open longest opening drive in the Bill Belichick era, seven minutes and eleven seconds, total domination that showed you what was to come. It was James White with little screens, sometimes from a wide receiver position, sometimes from catches. the backfield. Fifteen catches, fifteen catches on the day. He had six in the first couple minutes of the game. You could you could tell right away that Sony Michelle was blocked well. The Chargers were dominated on both sides of the line. They could not get to Tom Brady, and Tom Brady, for the second game in a row, played a very clean. Very intriguing game that leaves, leaves me concerned about Kansas City next week if they cannot get to Brady. Isn't
0: it the story of the Patriots every playoff run? The years where they get knocked out is when the opponent shows up and can rush Brady. And we thought what we had here was a great recipe, for us being most of America that wants to see the Patriots go away. With Ingram, with Bosa, and we just we didn't see any pressure on Tom Brady for the majority or all of this game.
1: They were erased, and I, I one thing on I think if, if the crowd played a huge element in this in that Saints game, I think that the, the Chargers looked cold. They looked unhappy, and, and it wasn't long into the game that you were starting to get those. Long sideline shots of Philip Rivers just standing there watching Tom Brady drop kick father time into another dimension. <laughs> it's another week. We're going to have to wait to write him off. Tom Brady, he looked great today.
3: Well, claiming a player is washed up is always tricky business because you you just don't have any knowledge or, or data to back that up. All you're going on is by what you see. And when Ian Rappaport reports that Brady had been playing through an MCL sprain or tear, that would explain maybe why he didn't want to take a hit, why he wasn't doing well with pressure well, in the pocket. But it doesn't explain why all of his throws were losing momentum at the end of the
0: I was gonna, I was going to say, it, uh, not to be, you know, the guy that always shoots down Brady or whatever, but did he, I mean, did he play a tremendous game today? Or did he just all I would say- execute what was laid out in front yeah, ex- of him because
2: executed at a very high level executed. And that's it- what, that's what he's always done. Right.
0: Gets like, the stuff. But I mean, the chal- it wasn't the highest level of challenge. The chargers what? did not show up today.
2: Right. But that's like him and McDaniels as a combination winning before the snap identifying the matchups, kind of looking off re- on. receivers. That's, been his game all along. I mean, yeah. that was his game in the Super Bowl last year when he threw for five hundred plus yards too and, and played great. That's that's kind of who he was. And and McDaniels deserves a lot of credit along with Brady for really just putting it on Gus Bradley. I mean, talk about a fall from oh. Grace. Gus Bradley was getting so much love last week, and this is just a zone defense where they kind of knew what was coming the first couple third downs of the game. They were just wide open. I thought that was like a great sign that he was getting these easy third down throws. And the the thing that the Patriots and Brady and McDaniels all do well is They mix it up so well drive to drive. So one drive was really pass heavy. Then they went with the power and and the the dime defense was suddenly out for the Chargers again. And they ran it down their throats with Gronk and with Dwayne Allen, with James Devlin. And then they mix it up again. And they were never the same. Sometimes they were using tempo. Sometimes they're not. They're never the same thing. Forget about halftime adjustments. They're making adjustments every other drive. And you're right. It made it look the two AFC games were as one-sided as you would expect like the Raiders to be if they were a road team playing the Chiefs or the Patriots.
0: One of my biggest takeaways was how incredibly out-coached the Chargers were, which shouldn't be a total surprise. Bill Belichick's on one side, and he has a bye week to prepare. Uh, but they you just could tell from the minute this game started that the Patriots had a game plan, and they executed it and the Chargers had no answer.
1: But to Greg's point, they had 23 first downs when the Chargers had 23 total plays. <laughs> and 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 the one thing that the Patriots are so flexible, you essentially cannot count on Gronk taking over the game as a pass catcher. I get that now he's the greatest blocker uh, on earth. That's fine. But you also <laughs> don't have Josh Gordon. And good. they did not really miss either today in the sense that they find a way to flexibly rejigger their offense where – On the Chargers side, Melvin Gordon is obviously not healthy and wound up with about 15 yards on the ground. They came up with no alternative solution on offense to mystify the Patriots, none. Well,
2: the Patriots were very physical and creative on defense, too. Brian Flores has been like that since the bye week, and I thought – it was really telling this game. I don't think came out of nowhere for the Patriots in the sense that when they beat the bills in week 16, all Belichick was as happy as he was all season. And all he talked about was all we talked about all week was being more physical than the other team, which seems like kind of a coaching cliche, but they did it against the bills. They did it against the jets. They did it against the chargers were on both sides of the ball. They really dominated pretty well uh, up front. They didn't, quite dominate against the Bills on the offensive line. They certainly did that today where the defense is trusting the secondary for the most part. They're getting very creative with what they're doing up front, and they're causing all sorts of problems for that Chargers offensive line.
3: Well, it didn't come out of left field in the sense that the Chargers have been a bad offense for yep. two months. They've been a bad, bad offense for two months, and the talk about them being a complete team was just never true.
2: Edelman looks different than he did early in the season. I think he's healthier. I think the bye week certainly must have helped Tom Brady. The injury supposedly dates back to Week 11, in that uh, when they tried to run that Philly special that he tripped himself up on, and uh, I think the week off the what? helped them all. <laughs> what did they run? <laughs> I mean, it
1: occurred.
0: <laughs> trying to correct it was the Philly ordinary actually. yeah so yeah.
1: well by the, that comes on a day when there was a helmet catch in the Saints game and Emmanuel Sanders <laughs> who catch. was on NFL Network had a whole promo about a helmet catch he made at one point that, so you know helmet ordinary <laughs> sit on that
2: <laughs> that was Wes's lock by the way which really and tan posies
1: oh yeah
2: oh Eric
0: is hot oh, and yeah. and and unfortunately I'll eat it I gotta eat it but you know what I, I rooted for it. I would have never made this lock if I was really in hardcore contention for the lockoff. I decided to follow my heart and uh, and just go all in. But I felt pretty strongly that the Patriots had a real chance, uh, not only to win this game. I always thought they were going to get back to the title game. Do I think they're going to get to the Super
2: Bowl? They could. You have to admit, though, in a season where you know we. There's been a couple times this season where you're like, yeah, I, we know they might get back, but these aren't the same old Patriots. You have to admit that this is different. That here on divisional round weekend, they are breaking new ground. They are putting up as good, a, even if this is all there is, like a divisional round home playoff win is not something to be taken for granted. It's, some teams don't. It do was that so, for a decade, and they,
1: they looked as any good, any good as any. That's team what I'm this saying. This weekend. was
2: as good a half, at least, as they've had statistically or anything else since they beat. But, the, Doors off Tim Tebow in 2011. That was the, the only half that was anywhere similar to that.
0: The demise of the Patriots against was, a good defense. Oh, the demise of the Patriots was always overblown this season. Like I, I've said this on this podcast that I, people have really even Patriots fans. You've heard Patriots fans go nuts this year about how this year feels different. Something's wrong. But this team has never been that bad. Tom Brady's never been that bad. So this shouldn't be a shocking. There was more compelling uh, evidence,
2: today. but then right. that There's evidence been, vanished today. For much of the season, they they were maybe the fifth best team in the league instead of the second or third or fifth or sixth I I did see though that your your negative energy in this game Dan kind of turned towards Philip rivers which I thought was unfair
0: well was let's it? just it let's be it. well let's be fair because Teflon Phil never gets any heat and you'll notice we've done an entire uh, well, that's why I'm setting game, you up. for Yeah, it. without even mentioning his name, because whenever things go wrong for the Chargers, it's never on Phil Rivers. When things go bad for the Giants, for instance, it's all on Eli. <laughs> but that's, I mean, it <laughs> is what it is. True. I'm not here to, uh, to get into that conversation, but I will tell you, 0-7 against Tom Brady in his career. Uh, he is now 37 years old. He's not getting closer to the Super Bowl. In fact, he's taken seven teams to the playoffs and never gotten to a Super Bowl game once. You could say he's a Hall of Famer, fine. He's putting up great stats and he's had a fine career. But that's the way the sport is, Wes. You get judged by what you do in January, your Super Bowl glories. And Phil Rivers just does not have it. It's a huge gaping black mark on his resume to me.
3: That's fine. Uh, um, I'm never going to choose like a handful of playoff games over 15 years and 220 games of excellence. This is- that's well, that's fine. But I'm, I'm going to
0: judge a player. That's not didn't... what you have to do, though. But you, you can't ignore You can use your Hall done. of Fame criteria, and I'll use mine. No, I'm saying Phil Rivers is a Hall of Famer, but okay. you cannot ignore that he just but hasn't gotten it done. It reminds me a little bit of, of Dan
1: Marino, who did get to a Super Bowl right away and then never got back. And growing up, Always hearing about Dan Marino being the best quarterback, even over many thought over Joe Montana. For me, as a fan, I would much rather have the quarterback that won multiple Super Bowls. I get that. I get the whole quarterback wins thing. Please, And the, but, but but this there is game was something a good example about it.
2: This was a good example because Rivers didn't play well at the end of the season, so he, there's not much to defend. Although I don't think this game, the first half was really on him. He was fine in the first half, and then he just started throwing up prayers. Balloons. This game was typical of a lot of the Chargers era, though. Absolutely no running game. Absolutely no help from the defense. Absolutely no offensive line. And you can say that's Teflon Phil. That's making an excuse for him. But it just is true if you I watch mean, this the Danny game. And like, if you put, if you switch teams, Tom Brady would have no chance to win this game. That's just not, how it is.
3: I'm not even a Phil Rivers fan. Like, I, I don't care if he gets in the Hall of Fame or not, but I just think you don't ignore what a guy's done over 15 years.
0: Well, I'm saying you don't ignore... Anything you look at the entire picture Absolutely. of the man's career, yeah, and this, and I today is the team didn't show up to play. Right. The offensive line didn't show up. The defense certainly the didn't show up. The sure. coaches, but the coaches did not were not competitive with the Patriots coaches. So I don't put this loss on Phil, but I'm just facts are facts. He's 15 years into a career, and he has not won the big game or even gotten to the game yet.
1: That's going to be the nice little pull quote that they use. Uh, when they advertise <laughs> our show three hours from now on Twitter, and you're going to have like a bu- all of a bunch of people coming
0: after the you. Wes will see it and will go like. I, you're hack. about to
2: say like all of Chargers <laughs> Nation, and then you were like, well, no, I just it. said
1: lots of people. There, we, there are lots of people. I'm let's not, get off
0: that topic, Mark.
2: Well,
3: I was going to say like we all know about the AFC Championship games for Brady. Yeah. But I saw a stat today that really blew me away. The Patriots have been favored in their last 69 games that Tom Brady nice. has started. And now they're they might not be favored going into Kansas City.
2: They're not. No way. They're they're so
3: well, you for the know, first time. Breaks set the line games. actually in Vegas. Three, so. three
2: points.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I'd yeah. be surprised if they were.
2: No, so. they're not. Uh, and that was weren't they underdogs in Jacksonville this year? <laughs> but that's beside the point.
1: <laughs> you tell us. Not
2: Greg, according right.
0: to the Laser multiple focus. sources on Twitter. Let's move on to Saturday, starting with the night game here in L.A. Goplin or center Turns left. Gives to Anderson, and he puts it in the paint. Touchdown L.A. Powers through the left side. And with 7-16 to go, it's 29-15. Rams with the lead. There is Wes's neighbor, JB Long, with the call for KSPN. C.J. Anderson's one-yard plunge on fourth down served as a statement of intent for the Rams who bullied the Cowboys at the point of attack in a 30-22 conquest at the Coliseum. It is the first playoff victory in... For the Rams in 14 years, and it sends them to the Superdome to meet the Saints in the title game. Wes, a week ago, the Dallas D completely stymied Seattle on the ground. How could the Rams bulldoze them for 273?
3: We saw a lot of dominant offensive line play this weekend. The Patriots, certainly. The Chiefs bullied the Colts. Um, And this game might have been the most impressive of any of the offensive lines. And if you... I think if you look, you'll see that um, the Rams coaching staff had picked up some tendencies on the Cowboys, and that played out too. But I, I, it really was just blowing those guys off the ball. That this was the worst game Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch played, and mixing in Sean Lee, I'm not sure helped very much.
2: Well, that's a lot of the play calling, though, too, and I think that gets lost in Sean McVay. You know, his reputation is that he comes; they ultimately come from the Shanahan tree and the running game is so crucial and you can be creative in the running game and they were incredibly creative with everything that they did pre-snap and it's it's kind of more of a finesse and timing offensive line. You don't want to call any offensive line finesse, but it's like they are moving in unison and they were at their best just like they were the last couple of weeks of the season behind C.J. Anderson. They, they found a little something with C.J. Anderson in that power running game. I think they're better run blocking than they are pass blocking.
0: You had a good ob- observation Greg. Uh, we went to this game last night, uh, Greg, myself, and Mark, and you were re-watching the game this morning, uh, this was an absolute beatdown, and it kind of, some people might not notice that.
2: It, it, they had the ball nine times. They punted once, and they didn't have a turnover. I mean, they, they went up and down the field. To only have the ball nine times is, is very low in a game, and to score or have a scoring attempt, they had one missed field goal every single time. <laughs> you had the ball is amazing and I give a lot of credit to McVeigh for the fourth and one that he took early in the game not the one at the end which wins it which is also kind of amazing and Sean McVeigh just showing who he is but fourth and one on his side of the field to go for it kind of understanding we are better than you this is what we're good at and even though it you it kind of it's supposed to be a strength for you, we're gonna run you over. a
1: great development for football fans. Uh, who I think in many ways led the way because of the way they played Madden and other things, where it's like it's a video game. Of course, I'm going to go for it on fourth down. But coaches were late to late to that, and we're in a season now where you're basically shamed if you aren't going for some of these fourth and short situations. And McVay is someone who led the way on this. Let's hear.
0: Let's hear from Sean McVay on the fourth and goal rush, which was the other big onion hanger for me because they kicked the field goal there and control that game. But if they miss it, all of a sudden the door is wide open for Dallas. Here's McVay on his reasoning why. You talk about um, going talk about. fourth and more. Don't say talk about. <laughs>
3: yeah, you know I think really when you when you think about what our team is, we always talk about attack and success, never fear and failure. And you know, we wanted to come out here and play fearless tonight.
0: So McVeigh never doubted it, but but that to me just shows the confidence that they had in their offensive line in this game, and you feel good for guys like Andrew Whitworth, who uh, was 0-7 in the playoffs and his career, stuck in Cincinnati, finally wins a game. He's, like, hugging his his family on the field, and he was a major star. The offensive line was the star of this game for the Rams.
1: Yeah, the, the line was getting dinged in recent weeks for not being its normal self. It, was, it is cool when you're at these games because you see things, obviously, you never would otherwise – and Whitworth running off the field with his two boys in Whitworth jerseys <laughs> in front of him. And one one cameraman around them like bumped shut, shut his his butt like got like went into space. He like moved his butt to get out wait, of the wait, way. Wait, 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 I'm wait. sorry, this is Who's not making butt? sense. The cameraman like thrusted his butt into there space was lots of butts. and knocked Whitworth's little boy down. Oh no. And like the other boy kept running, but Whitworth like reached down and just picked up his son and just ran into the locker room without skipping a beat. Totally happy. We talked to Kara Henderson. Did Cara he crush Henderson. the butt
0: guy's head with no, his hands. He so- actually
2: said to his son, he was like, come on, you got to watch out.
1: Yeah, he's like, something. watch out for these guys. And we talked to Kara Henderson, who is the wife of Rams general manager Les Snead after the game. And she was joyous because it was a year ago that Wes and Dan and I were there, where you could see on her face after they lost to the Falcons what a let, obviously, what a massive letdown that was after that Rams season. She was in fine form last night, totally happy. And she brought up Andrew Whitworth over and over because she's very close to the whole family that this may be the last time that he has a chance to go to the playoffs after such a long career in Cincinnati where that was not an option. So
3: Never got credit in Cincinnati when he played at an all-pro level for a lot of years. And, and another guy who played at an all-pro level but really got criticized this year was Ndamukong Sue, who I thought really controlled Zeke Elliott in that yes. line of scrimmage.
2: That, this, I know it wasn't like a great game in being there. It, it certainly felt like the Rams— had control of it. There were a number of moments where the Cowboys could have gotten back into it, and they couldn't make that one play, and one of those was certainly the fourth down that Zeke got stopped at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I mean, that is a massive play in that game. It's 23-15, to 15, and you think about that whole sequence. Donald breaks through to get a four-yard loss on the first down on a running plate. The Cowboys ran 10 times on first down for 15 yards. I mean, they don't have a strong offensive line in the interior anymore. They have Zach Martin, but there's two other guys that are just getting killed by Donald and Sue and Brockers. Then the the Cowboys do a good job, basically setting up a fourth and a foot, and they get blasted again. You can't get a yard with Zeke Elliott like you don't deserve to win. Do you think the the
3: Rams' defense is sort of fixed now, or was this matchup specific?
2: I think they're fine. Kind of like all four defenses left are just are fine. I think the Saints are probably the best are the best one, closest thing to a difference maker. Where it's it's. They're okay,
1: and they're trying to make their plays, but it, all of them to me are offense-led teams. I do think they matched up well with Dallas. I'm not sure you're going to see, you know, this same situation. I don't think on they're any fixed. level to answer
0: week. your question now. C.J. C.J. Anderson. Amazing! What a story! Uh, twenty-three for one twenty-three, two touchdowns. He not only had
2: making guys miss yeah. too. It's not just the offensive line; he's making some guys what
0: miss. What
3: if the Raiders kept him on his roster on the roster all year and he never even got to go, the, go to the Raiders?
0: That would have been the great tragedy. He's like a bowling ball at this stage of his career. I was marveling at, at the shape of his body in person. I mean, he's, like, he's he just goes right through the hole. Doesn't not, there's nothing cute about it. But he out touched Todd Gurley in this game, and I, I wonder if that's a product of. Gurley's knee injury being more serious than well, anybody knows, or if they just loved what Anderson brings what to the offense benefit, so much yeah. that they couldn't take him out of the attack. Uh, but it's amazing to see what he's brought to this team.
3: McVeigh said that Gurley's was a, a conditioning issue, that after a month really away, he wasn't in football shape. Still played 40 but, snaps. But I still think, like, to Dan's point, you're, you're not pulling out C.J. Anderson and, like, sticking him on the bench from now on. Right. I
1: mean, what – he, he did physically look different than he has every time. Erica asked also, like, what is up with this guy? He looks like he's just massive. And I call him – running style him, he's different. He's T-H-I-C-C. He is thick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he
2: has a chance to be a start – you know, he has a chance to be a two-time Super Bowl champion here. I mean, this is mm. a guy who is a key starting running back on a on a Super Bowl – Winner. It, Why would John Gruden
1: need that? I understand. And and but to ga- move on. <laughs> the game
2: could, could change in New Orleans, but I thought even though Goff I, – I saw some derogatory stuff about Goff being a- – I thought he was the game manager in the best way possible in this game. He was calling a lot of those runs at the line of scrimmage when he saw what he liked, or at least he was relaying what McVay wanted to do. And he did hit a number of key passes. There was a third and four to Robert Woods early in the game that kept the drive going that was not an easy throw. There was a third and four to Cooks, which is a beautiful, I think you called it, Dan, a double turkey hole shot. I don't even, it was like I didn't a, even know
0: that's possible. That was a, it was like a turkey hole supreme because he put it between the safety and cornerback and over a linebacker. And pursuit. nothing
2: close. A, a mistake really out of him. I, I thought, like, when he hits the guys in stride, I sometimes think like, ooh, that's why those West Coast offense coaches like those West Coast quarterbacks. Like, there were guys who wanted golf, and there were guys that, like, went. And so when you see some of those pretty golf throws where he just hits them perfectly in stride, just like kind of they coach you to do it, you're like, oh, I, I get why people love Derek
1: Like that. The one very L.A. thing to this game was where we were, which was, if you know the Coliseum, under the Olympic torch on the big white area at the end of the one end zone. We were essentially far from the field, but overlooking a tent that housed LeBron James, a Lakers player, but also a Cowboys fan who came out (laughs) to cheers from both sides of the field because the LA side can cheer on LeBron James. And then, you got French Montana rolling in at halftime. But you they, they, they also had, I thought, a very mixed crowd here.
0: It's a, Well, yeah. The, the L.A. Uh, <laughs> sports fan experience is, is so funny. It's someone that grew up on the East Coast. At one point in the game, there, it was like a key – West. you would have loved it. It was a key um, – some type of third down, maybe third and six. The game hanging in the balance. It's you know late third quarter, early fourth. And in between the play, like five seconds before the snap, the PA guy comes up. They put ju- uh, LeBron on the jumbotron. He's like, "Hey, everybody, the king is in the house!" <laughs> and the guys like, "Yeah." And I was like, "What about the game?" But it's such a—it was such a LA moment, and not even a, in a bad way because it is fun that LeBron James is in the house. But you wouldn't see that happening at the right. Meadowlands or maybe Foxborough so because they got Bon Jovi singing next to Robert Kraft oh. now. Yep. What's going on over there? <laughs> Accurate. Uh, but it's—it's just—it was a funny, weird scene. He-
2: I sat with my wife and daughter who went to the, the game and they sat in the crowd and, and I kind of went to check them out of their seats and no one kicked me out. So I stayed there for a, a quarter and a half and it was what in LeBron's box was, you know, on their end zone side of the field. And the there was a lot of Cowboys fans and they were, they were loose. I mean, they were, they were getting that. I felt like the Cowboys, maybe it was 50, 50, but the Cowboys fans were loud and loose but the one thing that the Cowboys fans and the Rams fans could agree about was LeBron, and there were "Let's Go Lakers" chants, and I was like, "What is going on? That there's Let's Go." It was during like the ti- the timeouts, but I was just like, <laughs> "Give me a break!" That the Cowboys fans and the and the Rams fans could agree. They could also
0: Lakers. agree about Stephen A. Smith, who got the loudest boos of anyone. I don't anything game <laughs> they related. They put him on the screen, and even he, he just got destroyed. Yeah, that's a,
2: that's an accomplishment for for a guy who's just like. A, yeah, I told a you. media figure yeah. Yeah. to be booed lustily by eighty thousand people. He's never
1: even. I told Greg a game. that is you in fifteen years. He's like, I'll take it. Like, okay, <laughs> I and mean, sweating
0: from his pores. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I we don't know because we don't watch those programs, but apparently Stephen A. Smith, I believe, makes a living like killing the Cowboys. So that might have been forty-seven thousand Cowboys fans hmm. going off on him. That might, a little context that we're missing, I think. But who cares ultimately? Any other thoughts on this game? All right, I'll take your silence as a sign. Let us move on to the first game Saturday from Arrowhead. First down, they're going to bring it on an end around. Tyreek Hill gets a block, 35-30, just beat 25-20, 15-10, five snowshoes, touchdown, Kansas City. The Cheetah can run in the snow, a 36-yard end around, round and the Chiefs, two touchdowns on their first two possessions. I enjoy that. Let's put that in the uh, Top Calls of the Year um, group. Uh, Mitch Holt is with a call for Chiefs Radio Network. Tyreek Hill had one of four rushing touchdowns for the Chiefs, who jumped on top of the Colts early and cruised to a 31-13 win at Wintry Arrowhead. The Chiefs returned to the AFC title game for the first time in 25 years, when who was their quarterback?
1: Joe Montana. Joe Montana.
0: Montana. They'll face the Pats. We saw 433 total yards in a ho-hum day for the Chiefs' offense. But, Wes, the real story here had to be their defense, who gave Andrew Luck nothing.
3: From the opening whistle... This looked like an indoor team that had no footing, that had no confidence in its ability to move in the elements on a slippery turf uh, in those elements. And they continued to melt down at every level of their offense and defense the rest of the way from Andrew Luck throwing ducks to the right side of their offensive line, getting worked over to no running game to Eric Ebron dropping the third down pass on the opening thing. Uh, false starts, holding penalties any time they did something right. Then on defense, you're without Malik Hooker and Mike Mitchell at safety. You're playing J.J. Wilcox, who had been cut by the Cowboys, out of football, and he's getting lost in coverage on all kinds of plays. It was, to me, just a comp – I don't want to throw out the fact that the Chiefs were more talented because you could see that the Colts had no answer for the Tyreek Hill-Travis Kelsey conundrum that every defense faces, and – the Colts. You look at the Colts' offense, and they've got a injured T.Y. Hilton as basically their only weapon. So, to me, the, the the offensive talent disparity was a big issue in this game.
2: Guys weren't open, and it, just the way the game started. You said it. Ebron drops the first third down. The next couple of drives for the Colts were tipped passes from Luck. A ton of tipped passes. So many. There, there was another Chris one. Jones had the three fo- of himself. Right. The fourth one. Ebron didn't get to the sticks on a stick route, and so he catches it one yard short. And by then, it, it you know, because the Chiefs are who they are and Andy Reid and the Chiefs do such a good job very often in the first 15 plays, they're already down three scores. And in a game where they got a punt-block touchdown, the Colts did, to not be competitive is kind of amazing. I mean, they scored six points on offense.
1: Well, and that in that blocked punt, which resulted in a touchdown, had them trailing only 17-7. to 7. And it turned 24-7, and the killer moment in this game, I think when they were psychologically broken, if it hadn't already happened, was inside the two-minute warning, Andrew Luck and the offense looked like they were finally getting going. They marched down the field with some big pass plays. And then, of all people, Adam Vignateri missing a 23-yard field goal attempt right before the half, which would have made it 24-10, and you have something to cling to. And it, for him to and have sure that thing, enough.
0: They score a touchdown in the second half, and right. you're thinking, if he just hits that chip shot, that give me, this They're is a one-score game. And then, of course, he misses the extra point on top of it. By the way, Vinatieri is one guy. You know, Frank Reich looks amazing with the white beard. Vinatieri doesn't need that. We, everyone's <laughs> always thinking in the back of their mind, is this guy too old at this point to be on this stage? And then with that white beard, he looks like he should be in some, like, rec league or something. He's like Ken Stabler. He's got a lot of thinking to do and at least maybe some shaving at the very least.
2: It, it reminded me of early Chiefs games this season, though, where Mahomes didn't... He was on point early, but he didn't have to do that much in the first couple drives. I mean, he had some of those third and sixes where he threw it across his body, but like the first drive or two, it was the play calling, it was Kelsey, it was Hill, it was Coasting, and they ran to win. I mean... I don't really think the Colts were ever in this game. I don't I don't know what they could have done whether Vinatieri's kick or anything whether it would have mattered because the the Chiefs immediately went into running mode and they were pretty effective doing that getting time off the clock with Damian Williams. He is he is like the AFC's good. CJ Anderson. He is good. And they signed him to a low cost two-year extension about 2 weeks into this little run and like that that looks like a bargain cuz he might be that he might be their starter next year and if he's not he's going to be part he of the He might be
0: team. firing awesome. his agent.
1: When you have the Chiefs, you know, there were a couple weeks where they're trying to cobble together their backfield and figure out how to handle this situation. When you get that from Williams, then suddenly it opens everything up. And I love this tweet from Evan Silva about what Travis Kelsey did. His catches, 16 yards for a first down, 14 yards for a first down, 16 yards for a first down, 10 yards for a first down, 30 yards for a first down, 7 for a first down. Wow, big fish.
3: And so much of that is (laughs) what Tyreek Hill is doing before the snap to get the defense in a bit of a chaos. And then you're sort of at the snap. You're Darius Leonard, and you're like, do I go where Tyreek Hill is, or do I go where Kelsey is? I think this Chris Galdsworth
0: was giving him a little bit of heat on the telecast that Leonard was maybe prone to getting confused in those type of zone reads.
2: Maybe he is. He's a, he's a rookie, and he and the linebackers had to do so, mu- so much because there's no pass rush. I mean, this is what I think happens when you go into Kansas City with a team with no pass rush, which I think is one reason why the Patriots and really any team is going to be scared of the Chiefs, but the Patriots, especially, who don't have a one on one pass rusher. I mean, the, the Colts defensive line got housed, and then they're trying to do all these schemes and stunts, and that opens up the running game. I was impressed, though, by how Mahomes played in terms of, like, he was getting them to come off sides. He's doing the hard count. He's doing kind of— So many. He's doing the, like, next-level stuff where he's looking off. He just seemed very calm and ready. Like, this was just another game that's pretty impressive for a 23-year-old MVP. I
1: think it's amazing, because we were at the owners' meetings, and we all were kind of taken by Andy Reid. And I think for uh, this room a little bit, that there was— you know, there were the boring Chiefs teams that would go 10-6, and and you could count on them getting whacked in January religiously. And— we felt a little bit something different about Andy Reid when we met him in person. And the fact that you're going to get Andy Reid versus Bill Belichick and Reid's got that playoff win monkey off his back now, I love it. You know what it's,
0: it's like when they say, like, never meet your heroes? In our situation, it's like never meet the people that you kill on the podcast.
2: <laughs> then it's harder. Really, we're pretty pro-Andy Reid on this podcast. Well, I, that, I that there was I a
1: there was a shift, though. After that, because you're right. It, there the was team a was boring. Tangible shift. That's we, fair. You know,
2: they put up 24 points before the Colts had a first down. That's one of my favorite stats of the weekend. I mean, that you wouldn't expect that. Damn. It's embarrassing. I'm just kind of – I was kind of stunned by the Colts, but the better team. Well, but the Colts have a lot to cling to going into next
3: sure, season. There's a sure. lot to like. One game doesn't define your season. No, And totally. this performance is not representative of who the Colts were in 2018. I don't think it's representative of what they would be if they played Indian in Indianapolis instead of Kansas City. But I think it does illustrate for the Colts – that they need more talent specifically at the offensive skill positions and at pass rush. Well,
0: you, Wes, and you were on the Colts from day one, really. Even when they were one and five, you saw that this is a team that could put it together. And you said on Thursday's preview that this is a more talented team, you thought, at this stage. Were you surprised that they came out and looked like a dome team being exposed? Because I didn't see that in their DNA that they would look this overwhelmed in that setting. Shocked.
3: And, And from what I saw especially from their defense early on, it wasn't mental as much as physical. They simply couldn't get footing on that turf.
2: Well, and They and, were slow to react to everything. And they were playing the Chiefs, who are right. the best offense in the league, and they hadn't played anyone you know really remotely close to that all season other That's, than the that Patriots. That is a
3: fair criticism. Who, and I'm not saying that the Colts would have won in Indianapolis. Right. I'm saying they would have looked more like the Colts have looked all year had they played in Indianapolis. I
1: do think the Chiefs, and we talked about it a little bit, is that when you go away on the bye and we can become and it's not a cults note, it's just about in general by teams. When you go away for a while and you didn't finish the season at your peak dominance, it's not that we're overlooking them, but they're just not what we're what we're most recently impressed by. And then the Chiefs come in and say, Excuse me, we are right here and we're we are now hosting the AFC title game. Don't forget about That's
0: us. a major monkey off their back because we know that they blew what was it, a seventeen point lead in the playoffs last year? Whatever it was. It was a huge lead. They let that game uh, against the tytoons of all teams, get away from them. Now that they're able to get this win, they're catching – the Patriots are – they're hot at the right time. But now you're going to have a Chiefs team in their building getting that monkey off their back. Can we win this? Can we carry this into the playoffs? I don't want to jinx it because the divisional playoffs were set up to be amazing. But Patriots against the Chiefs, Andy Reid against Belichick, Mahomes against Brady, this is – well, I was going to say Gronk against Kelsey, but, you know,
2: ah, Travis, Kelsey, Kelsey's, Kelsey's there. in the game. You never You're know. Nice Maybe Gronk will show up. here that one catch he had today. He was
0: targeted once today, Gronk.
2: pretty well.
1: well. I mean,
0: this is my lock, the Chiefs. You've had a nice workman-like uh, lock uh, performance. Greg, that's
1: that's the way to do it. You, there was a, It was a low drama. You don't have to worry about this all weekend. You got it out of the way by around, you know, 2 p.m.
0: But I will say it wasn't all... Daisies for Greg in, in this realm of making selections because he had a, a, a teaser of sorts. Wait, 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 wait. uh with, with, with the rain and uh once again the rainmaker lets down all his raindrops. Mm. I knew this it has been raining day. Is that Camelina? Oh, my
1: I'm so hungry. I wish I could buy some food.
0: Oh, oh is that ouch. some of the people that have uh I mean, I know taking your advice over. Yeah, the weeks. it's been a tough weekend. so for, sad. It's
2: been a tough weekend, <laughs> and I'm he said he ha- he needed this Patriots loss so badly that he he needs to hold on to something. But uh, yeah, Greg, it, hold on. It's what very is- typical, it, by the way, that I somehow got this pick wrong in a week where I went four and zero against the spread in my in my yeah, other pool. No I still somehow that. went. I somehow got it. Yeah. Greg,
1: what is your overall record right now in this? Still uh, of Cam's, uh, Cam's this voice exercise, right now. Exercise this hobby.
2: Can I hear again? Well, Cam how do you again? not know? G- like, Cam I Cam. don't. Yeah, I like you. Yeah. You were saying like it was good to get the yeah, lock out of the weekend way. early
1: for me. Oh, yeah. I, 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 here's, my, here's my argument against you. Whenever you listen to these radio shows, where these jabronis sure. are giving all their like spread <laughs> stuff, it's like I went eight and one. La- like they're always locked right. on their record. So when you say you have no idea what your record, is, it feels to the person in taking your investment advice. As a little bit, little bit shadowy. Yes. I would like to know what I your mean, record I, is if I'm going to invest my money. I don't think money. they should clearly. Was
0: camp was camp channeling the chocolate rain guy? Was that what that was? <laughs> the YouTube I, guy. I yeah yeah he was. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> hmm. oh man.
3: That speaks to Greg's charisma that the, the bit can continue even though he keeps losing. It's, it does. Over and over no doubt
1: about that. He,
0: he wins either way. So Greg, that's <laughs> nothing to to be ashamed of. You know, you got something cooking here. But does the rainmaker come back? At this point, you're about zero and six in the last uh, month or so. In the last few, yeah. That's
2: I, why it has to it, continue? Yeah, it was getting. I I generally, as as you guys have made fun of uh, me over the years, or point. I generally out. am sick of bits after about four times. Anyways, I like uh, the self loathing ha- came on pretty strong about week sixteen. So I think your your wish will probably <sighs> be granted. Oh, that's a shame.
3: Uh,
0: good news for our listeners, uh, though that are. Been hit hard financially. Um, Any other thoughts about this game? All right. It wasn't a good game, and we hope for better games coming up this week because we only got three games left. Wes, what do you got? I have a thought. Yes.
3: That everyone's going to be riding high on the Patriots, and you can never underestimate their coaching staff, and I might end up picking them in this game. Really, but to me, the Chiefs are clearly the more talented team, and the Patriots were clearly a much better team at home than on
2: the road this year.
3: and eight yeah. and
0: zero this year, or nine and zero at home, the Pats.
2: And the, the talent on the Chiefs' defense is not to be trifled with. I mean, D. Ford dominated this game. Chris Jones made a huge. Difference. Well, I mean, D
3: four was unblocked every other play.
2: Right, but he also he also killed Braden Smith in the. We were hearing a lot about the Colts offensive line. He destroyed Braden Smith in the passing game. My point is, I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. I've thought it all year. I thought their defense isn't nearly as bad as people thought. I think if they I had just to play choose, bad,
3: they're not really bad. I think or the
2: made, offense can make up. Then. I think they've made a lot of plays, and that there's a decent amount of potential, and that within what they do as a team, they're not so bad. And more importantly, they found a couple answers late in the season. Charvarius Ward, their cornerback, has played pretty lights out for two or three weeks. He, he didn't see the field early in the season. Jordan Lucas at safety has also played pretty well. So kind of like the Patriots, I think they figured some things out, and I do think they're the but best But
1: they, they can't be the next team to allow Brady to go 60 minutes go. untouched.
0: Plenty of time to talk about this. We, we got a whole week to preview AFC and NFC title games. Uh, Ricky, were you ever – was it ever in doubt uh, the Pats and your lock? Because it obviously worked out well for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always believed, but I feel like everyone else just hates us. Nobody believes oh, in
0: God. us. Oh, well, God. It'll be a good game. They're a good team. And uh, we played them earlier this year. You know, I know, you know everyone thinks we suck and, <laughs> you know, can't win any games. So we'll see. It'll be fun. Oh, please. You stick that in your pipe and smoke, it. no one's buying the we're the Patriots. No Does it matter we if anyone's buying it. it? I
2: remember Rodney Harrison doing oh. this when they were going for their third Super Bowl in oh, four years. Underdogs. As long as they
0: believe it. No one believes in us except for the people in this room. Well,
2: I'm d- tombraughty. Didn't we say at the end of our... <laughs>
0: Whatever
2: didn't they? Say, didn't we say that in angle. this room at the end of a preview of Chargers back Patriots to us, where we Adrian. all thought it was going to be a really good game and that the Chargers presented a ton of problems? Didn't we say in this room they often do their best work I when they're a little right? That's true when when there's a little bit of doubt. So whether you think it's manufactured or not, I said that it's working. I the said past. he's got
0: the Jordan gene that he's he's pathological. He's going to yes. feed off it. But don't try to sell us that the football cognoscenti and fans around the universe are discounting the Patriots having a chance. They have an absolute chance Maybe to it, win. To
2: this Maybe it, <laughs> it's, it's less about like the point spread. I've seen people point out the. it's less about the point spread and more just that they know everyone is rooting against them. I think that's well, more that's, it. That just people don't like them whether the, they
0: respect them or not. The newsroom just, was even fired up and angry oh my when God. that game got away when because the, it was just like Get out of our lives, and they're not going anywhere. The only
2: time in the playoffs so far that the 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 newsroom had like a standing ovation for any <laughs> moment was the first Chargers touchdown. Like right. everyone, the newsroom <laughs> exploded just that it was seven to seven. Well, it helped. So that. He, Dave right. Shot,
0: who works on the network side, is an insufferable New England sports fan. Uh, we like giving it to Dave shot whenever things go against the Patriots or the Bruins or the Red Sox. So that was a great moment. Uh, but ultimately, as it always works out, your buddy shot, uh, Greg, and you end up with the big old eating grin on your face, and you walk out of the building head held high.
2: Insufferable uh, New England sports fan is redundant.
0: Yeah, maybe it is. All right.
2: You don't have to worry about shot
3: listening to this. No, he does not <laughs> no, listen to our show. We're
0: good. All right. We'll be back on, well, we have a Twitter show on Tuesday, which we implore you to check out or whatever. Uh, and then on Wednesday, um, uh, we'll uh, be back on the podcast. We'll have Ian Rappaport on the show on Wednesday. And uh, Thursday, we'll preview the championship Sunday. And then we'll be right back here um, one week from today, recapping and talking about who's in the Super Bowl. How about that? We're already here. Mark, three games left. We're almost home.
1: I am having the time of my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How is it? it clip, sound like a hostage. Yeah,
1: clip that, please. Uh,
2: that is, that is has some le- that's a, as a That's as a, as
0: a nice turnaround, by the way, because like 72 hours ago, you said that you were like drifting in a dark lake.
2: <laughs> Talk to me tomorrow. <laughs> thank you, Saints. Thank you, Saints. Uh,
0: thank you, Saints. Uh, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss, and... Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Tuesday.